0: Hello and welcome to another Mnex podcast. I'm Sam Wilkin, Brussels Bureau Chief, and today we're going to talk about what happens under a no-deal Brexit. After the UK Parliament rejected Theresa May's deal for the second time this week, we have to accept that this is now a serious possibility. The EU certainly thinks so and has been stepping up its preparations. Here to talk us through them is our Brexit reporter, Zosia Wanat. Hello, Zosia. Hi, hello. Um, so yeah, first of all, what's the latest after the deal uh, deal was rejected on Tuesday in the UK? What's the EU done since then?
1: Uh, So, obviously, the European Union leaders seem to be very disappointed uh, with the results of the vote uh, on Tuesday. Uh, But at the same time, they know that the possibility of a no-deal Brexit is even more real now. They are all very confident that all the the EU has to do right now uh, is to step up no deal planning, no deal preparations and basically prepare for the worst. Uh, on, on Wednesday, during the plenary session at the European Parliament, Michel Barnier, uh, EU chief negotiator, uh, said that the talks, the Brexit talks are now at the critical point and the risk of a no deal is higher than ever, but the EU is ready to face this situation even if it doesn't really want to do that.
0: Is that a realistic assessment, though? Because under this worst-case scenario, that means Britain leaves the EU on the 29th of March. That's in about two weeks' time. And and will have no relationship at all um, with it, unravelling sort of decades of integration. How ready can the EU really be? There's, there must be a huge amount of disruption still is going to happen.
1: So, theoretically, on the paper, the EU uh, seems to be ready. So, the European Commission... Uh, has identified 19 areas, 19 sectors, where it could act with its legislative proposal. So basically, the European Commission has issued 19 different uh, amendments to existing regulations that are supposed to uh, prepare the whole union for both Brexit with a deal and Brexit without a deal. And
0: what sort of topics do they cover?
1: So uh, the, the whole range of topics, really. Uh, uh, there are some regulations, so-called preparedness regulations, and they, um, they are supposed to prepare... Uh, EU twenty seven for uh, for for Brexit as such. So in um, if there is a deal or if there is a no deal scenario, um, and these regulations they cover things like type approval applications, uh, tariff rate quotas, uh, ship inspections. So you know, like there is the whole range of things and sectors that uh, they are supposed to help with. Uh, but there is also the second stream of the Commission's sort of effort, and this is contingency planning. This is planning just for a no-deal scenario, and uh, these regulations are supposed to mitigate the worst effects of a no-deal Brexit uh, in the EU 27. Uh, they cover things like transport, uh, so basic connectivity, road connectivity and air connectivity between uh, the uh, EU27 and the UK. They cover areas like, uh, like transport, uh, basic uh, connectivity, uh, b- basic road connectivity, railway connectivity. So they basically these regulations, they ensure that uh, there will be some sort of traffic between the EU and the UK in case of a no deal scenario. Uh, but also uh, fisheries uh, regulations, also as uh, social security rights for the uh, UK and EU citizens, also uh, some clarifications on the Erasmus programme for students. Uh, so, yes, again, a very wide range of, of regulation, uh, of regulations and s- sectors uh, is covered here.
0: OK. Um, and, I mean, one, one thing that is a really big concern, I guess, is trade and, and tariffs in particular, which, I mean, the UK now is a member of the EU, um is completely tariff free both ways um whereas if britain is without a deal there will be the full the full extent of each side's tariffs will apply to the other side's imports and that means actually british goods will have a lower sort of privilege if you like in the eu than goods from say canada which has which has a separate trade deal this this will obviously have a really big hit on businesses and the economy as a whole um, particularly in Britain, but also in the EU, and, and you know Ireland in particular might be quite heavily hit by that. Is there any mechanism that the EU can can put in place to try to to mitigate that?
1: So the EU has been clear from the very beginning that in case of a no deal Brexit, it will have to apply uh, their, let's say, normal tariffs, the tariffs that it applies to every other third country, because this is compliant with the World Trade Organization rules. And even on Wednesday, just after the, the vote, uh, the uh, European Commission spokesperson confirmed that this is exactly what will happen. So the British position seems to be a bit different. So again, on Wednesday in the morning, just after just after the vote, um, the British government uh, published its list of tariffs uh, that will apply in case of a no deal. Uh, they are temporary tariffs only for one year, just to, you know, try if they work or not. Um, the majority of the tariffs are, are cut for almost all the sectors. Uh, they remain in place for some sectors only such such as uh automotive um ceramics meat and you know those those areas okay the...
0: for a majority of goods they they've been cut quite dramatically yes, right yes 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 which i suppose means european uh or eu companies won't won't face particularly high tariffs um exporting their goods into into britain after brexit the only the only issue with that is nor will nor will exporters from any other country be it America or China that they currently do pay um, British or other EU tariffs when exporting to Britain I suppose there's there's going to be an impact on EU consumers trying to buy British products because uh, because the EU tariffs will then be be fully in place but it's perhaps not as bad as it might be for um, for EU companies themselves Um to, to talk, just to go beyond the European Commission, let's think about the um, individual national governments in the EU, particularly those that have a particularly close trading relationship um, with the UK. So that is Ireland, the Netherlands, France, Belgium, Germany, I, I guess are the main ones there as the, you know, the the ones that whose citizens and, and companies have a close relationship with the UK and also those where... UK goods typically land on the continent. Uh, what steps are they taking individually um, to prepare themselves for an Odeal outcome?
1: Yes, that's a very that's a very good point because we've been talking about what the Commission has been doing, but we have to remember that the Commission can only act within its competence, and there are still um, a lot of areas, a lot of sectors where only national governments can prepare for 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 brexit and there are also many um practical issues that um, the national governments, especially in the countries which will be the most affected, have to deal with, uh, such as organizing customs checks, um, hiring more people, more staff to deal with uh, the increased workload on the borders, or, or, I don't know, organizing warehouses where the goods would be um, stored after after a no-deal Brexit. And um, obviously uh, EU27 are uh, preparing, stepping up their preparedness as well. All these countries that you've mentioned that are the most impacted, they are working on so-called omnibus bills. That means that these are those big bills that cover many different sectors. Uh, This is basically a way for, for these governments to pass a lot of amendments to their regulations quickly through their uh, legislative processes uh, these um, uh, these these changes these amendments they they, they cover things like citizens rights um, transport health care insurance financial services sometimes obviously it differs uh, from country to country uh, but um, well again at least on the paper, uh, the majority of EU 27 seems to be ready for for a no deal outcome.
0: Yeah, and mentioning citizens' rights, you've just remind reminded me of a very good piece you wrote a couple of weeks ago that uh, that citizens' rights could actually be different across different EU countries. So I, as a Brit living in Belgium, could have different rights to uh, another Brit living in Germany, for example. What's happening there?
1: Uh, yes, that's true. I'm very sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your um, fault. It's our fault. <laughs> uh, that's true. It's because um, the citizens' rights, uh, so the, the migration regulations, if you want, uh, these are uh, competences that lie within uh, the national competence. So the national national govern, uh, governments deal with migration in general. And after a no deal Brexit the UK will become a third country. So all the people who live in the EU 27 or who will want to come to the EU 27, they will be treated as normal migrants from, you know, every other third country. Like, I think it's high time people realise that. And um, yes, so that means that every government uh, has, to, has to come up with their own... A migration strategy let's say and the European Commission has uh, urged um, all national governments to be as generous as possible to especially to the UK citizens who um, who, who live in the EU already and um, But obviously, obviously it differs, you know, like it hasn't been coordinated. Um, There were no guidelines, really. Uh, So uh, the conditions of registration, the length of the registration period, the rights that UK citizens get in different countries, they differ among member states. And actually, in some of them, uh, they are quite strict. And I would even say stricter than... EU citizens rights in the UK will be after a no deal brexit. So again this is something that the European Commission I think is looking into and uh, we will see in the upcoming weeks weeks uh, how this will play out.
0: Yeah, I mean it certainly seems too late now if you know if there is a no deal on March 29th to to unify um, that policy across the block and of course the fear I think in in europe and among european governments is that britain will you know on the basis of reciprocity um, britain may end up giving eu citizens uh, a copy of the harshest version of of the eu rules rather than the average or the the most lenient version Um, so that sword certainly cuts both ways finally um, let's get back to everyone's favorite favorite topic the irish border now this is uh, as, a, as, as everyone knows, this is the, the topic that has derailed um, the Brexit deal, Theresa May's Brexit deal that's been rejected twice by Parliament. Um, the problem with it was the Irish border backstop, the insurance policy that will uh, govern how the Irish border is managed if there's no better um, deal in place or deal found during a transition. Now, uh, this may have derailed the the withdrawal agreement and set us on a path perhaps to a no-deal Brexit, but of course that won't solve the issue. In fact, it'll it'll make it worse. We still have the issue that there is a land border then between the UK uh, in Northern Ireland and, um, and the Irish Republic, which is part of the EU. And as trading partners without a trade deal, there will have to be a... Uh, you know customs and and tariffs across that border and it's very hard to see how to do that without a hard border in place so how is the EU uh, and how indeed is the UK uh, preparing to deal with that in two weeks time if there's no deal
1: You've just summarised all Brexit problems. <laughs> <laughs>
0: been doing this for a couple of years
1: now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, you're absolutely right. Like the Irish border has been the biggest, the biggest issue in these negotiations, and uh, again. I think it's high time that we all realise that if if we have a no-deal Brexit, this problem is not disappearing, because we still have to deal with trade between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And we have to deal with it in a way there is no hard border and no hard infrastructure. It seems like there is no idea on how to do it, you know, starting in, in April this year, if there is a no deal. So, on Wednesday in the morning, um the UK government uh, published its strategy uh It's very interesting because this is the first time uh the UK government or the EU or the Irish government actually mentions any sort of a plan they've been they they, they were quiet about it for the last uh, during the last month so this is the first plan that we get. Uh, And this plan says that there will be no customs checks and there will be no regulatory checks on the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland in case of a no deal, which obviously is a... um, it, which obviously is good news for Irish businesses and Irish citizens, right? Not, not the,
0: to mention the Irish peace process as yeah, well. The yeah. Northern Irish peace uh, process,
1: absolutely. But at the same time, it seems to be uh, it seems not to be compliant with the WTO rules because if the, we have two different countries, and Ireland and Northern Ireland will be two different countries after a No Deal Brexit, there have to be customs customs checks and regulatory checks between them. And you have to organize it somehow. And the UK basically swept it under the carpet and said, "Okay, we're not going to do anything with this. Uh, But I don't think the EU is never uh, going to be uh, happy with this sort of solution. Uh, And even on Wednesday, they already said that this this plan that the uk had proposed it raises concerns of european uh, institutions of european leaders um because uh well if if that if that possibly could be a good solution then why did they spend so much time talking about backstop and any you know alternative solution to to managed trade uh, between Ireland and Northern Ireland, if it was just so easy. If it was, if, if the solution was so simple, just to avoid all, all the customs checks, then why did the EU and the UK had spent so much time uh, during the last year trying to find another solution another alternative arrangement uh, I don't think this plan is going to fly
0: right yeah there's a sort of logical conundrum there and uh, I mean that could mean couldn't it that we do end up with some kind of hard border, or some kind of customs checks at least temporarily um, after no deal Brexit or we risk being in breach of global global trade rules
1: yes exactly and uh, when I talk uh, when I've talked with some eu officials they all said that they just uh can't see the the situation when there is no border at all between ireland and northern ireland and the uk is not part of the bloc anymore i mean this is this would violate basic wto rules this would violate the basic rules of the european single market and this would be just be wrong for the european project so i don't see why the EU would ever agree to do that. Yeah,
0: and I remember when we were still talking about the deal, um, they were saying it would be very hard to put this sort of thing together in the next two years of transition period. And so how can they do it in in the next two weeks? Exactly. Well, we'll keep our eye on it anyway until uh, 29th of March and beyond. It's now time to say goodbye and thank you to Zosia. Uh, thank you. And before I sign off, I'll remind you to please subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform if you want to hear more from our reporters around the world. I'm Sam Wilkin, MLEX's Brussels Bureau Chief. Bye for now.